Listen, you smell something? Human emotions are materializing in the form of a viscous psychoreactive plasm with explosive supernormal potential. What a discovery, a psychoreactive substance. Do you know what this equipment is used for? Boggle or Super Mario Brothers? We'll have fun! Yeah! They're still doing a really quite good work there. My friend, don't be a jerk. We've got no choice. Call a Ghostbusters. Super Jackpot! Welcome to Extraplasm Podcast. It's the only podcast on the internet that hopes the writer's strike ends quickly, not only because writers deserve to be paid, but also because each day the strike goes on brings us one day closer to the terrifying possibility of a Netflix reality program called Ghost Heads, the series. I'm your host, Jim Maritato, a.k.a. Vink Maniac on the internet. Joining me this week on Extraplasm Podcast is friend of the show and person who's trying not to laugh into his microphone, but totally can. John, you're K before. <laughs> How are you, John? Nice to talk to you. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm doing well, man. I'm happy to be here. How are you? I'm good. I'm good as long as we don't get Ghost Heads the series. I'm worried about this. I said it last week. I was like, well, as long as we don't get Ghost Heads the series. And now I'm like, wait, I might have given someone a terrible idea. What if someone out there listening <laughs> is like, hey, we could do that. We could just get a whole bunch of those guys from those franchises. And we can make it like a reality competition. Or like, what if they make it like American Ninja Warrior? But like, oh, God, like it's an actual ghost busting obstacle course kind of thing, like a themed like challenge. Yeah. Each competing team will get their own firehouse base and like little go-kart powered Ecto and they have to race to a physical challenge. Yes. Oh, my gosh. In all honesty, it, it probably would turn out more like, did you ever watch the show MXC, Most Extreme Elimination Challenge? <laughs> yeah. It would probably turn out more like that, where it's just especially it doesn't matter who you are running around trying to be fast and all that gear. And then it's like, oh, there he goes in the ectoplasm pit trying to find the haunted artifact there so he can douse it in the decontamination pool. Like it is just everybody broken stuff. Oh, no, he's going to have to stop and do repairs on his proton pack there. (laughs) But instead, I want like I want Dan Aykroyd to come in as the commentator for this where he's like, "Okay, cadets, you can do it. You've just got to resequence your PKE meter and then you can move on. Like and he's just like providing and then how many I want him to say all that stuff. But, you know, him and he's just making up jargon on yes. the spot. And so people are going to be running and then he'll be coming over like the comms like, OK, cadet, now in this area, you're going to need to. And then he says it like resequence your PKE meter. And it's just a lot of people like they pull out their PKE meter and go, huh? And then like, like Stay Pump just swats them off the track or something. There's like, like people, oh, and there he goes. There's people turning the over like Spirit Halloween <laughs> PKE meters and taking the batteries out and trying to figure out. <laughs> What is he talking about? Batteries in backwards. (laughs) Reverse the polarity of your PKE flow, cadets. Oh, well, in case anybody hadn't guessed it, this is going to be a format breaker because John, your cave is here and I always enjoy talking with him about so many things. So John is going to ride along with us as co-host as we come up with a million great ideas for Ghost Heads, the series. Ghost ghost Heads, the series. Ghost American ghost heads. <laughs> or, uh, no, that would be that would be warrior. crazier. Like go, like American gladiators version of this. It would be like <laughs> there's like Sam Hain is standing on top of a giant pedestal. Right. He's got a big jousting stick, he's, and he's, he's throwing hit him. pumpkins at you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, someone out there in the fan community and, and needs to make Aykroyd's this now. Just like, like this is 
<laughs> Dan Aykroyd is there kind of like the what's his name? Uh, Captain Tennille from MXC. And he's like, all right, cadets, what? <laughs> how many of you think that you'll be able to survive a battle with a class four with no training? Show of hands now. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> and he's like, uh, here we go. And he like throws his proton thrower around. <laughs> the, the penultimate challenge every week is just the tower that is just flights of stairs. You just have oh, to yes. climb flight after <laughs> flight after flight of stairs while carrying the equipment. And, and then it's like whoever comes out of that has There's the like a little floor. a little bell gets rung or like a little achievement whenever you hit the 20th floor and they always make the joke about like if you're going to throw up, do it now. <laughs> Oh, I'm glad you're here. Um, Careful, cadets. You're coming up to a crowded hallway. You're going to have to remove the chair. (laughs) (laughs) That is a Ghostbusters fan fest joke. That's a deep cut. That's a deep cut joke right there. I love that. If you get that joke, then you are part of a very special group of people. Um, And if you don't, I'm sure Uh, someday we'll tell the joke of Dan Aykroyd's chair. Sorry, cadets, but there's no water for you in this one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad you're here, John. And if you don't know who John Yurkaba is, um, then you should get with the program. But it's for real. John is a friend of the show. He's also an amazing comic book artist. He's also a person who's provided Ghostbusters uh, merch. I want to say merchandise, IP, artwork, graphic design um, for Sony and Columbia. For he saved Ghostbusters fan fest visual identity. Um, he does a million things. He's John Yurkaba. Before, how are you, John? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well, man. I'm I'm staying busy this this past uh, couple months. Honestly, it's it's peak uh, convention season for comic book creators. So yeah, <clears throat> I've been doing a lot of traveling, a lot of events. Uh, I did presentations at a couple of colleges. I did a convention in Vegas. I did a convention here in Phoenix a couple months ago. That was like a one day thing. And then the big um, Phoenix Fan Fusion, which is like the big state, you know, like the it's basically the biggest convention in Arizona. Yeah, uh, is coming up uh, today, Sunday, not next weekend, but the weekend after that. So like the second through the fourth of June. Uh, And that'll be fun because I actually was invited to be a guest artist at that. So that's pretty exciting. So I get access to the green room, which I'm very excited about. Um, <laughs> I heard they have like sandwiches and stuff in there. But for real, though, this, it was like the uh, it's it's cool to 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 be invited to do that kind of stuff. And I got a couple more fun events uh, up my sleeve that I'm going to be participating in coming up soon. So, yeah, it's and then, you know, in between all those things, like I'm doing more prints and drawing more things and just trying to I'm, I'm staying busy and, and some of it's stressful, but it's like, I, my job is to, to wake up and draw comics. So like, it's, <laughs> it's kind of, it's the fun kind of stress where like, right. You've got deadlines and you've got things you got to, you know, check off your to-do list, but you're happy to do it. And, yeah. and I, I couldn't be more thankful to, to be in this position. Well, that's great that you are doing well with convention season and keeping busy, um, even though being busy can be stressful, but it's good stress. So, um, I think that's outstanding and I'm glad you came back for another run at, you know, another notch in your, your robe belt, um, (laughs) 
I don't know if you've heard, but this this whole robe idea is really people on the podcast and the listenership at this point are probably sick about hearing about the robes. But I'm coming for that robe. I'm just saying. Well, they've now expanded to being 45 pound sequin robes that weigh the exact same amount as a proton pack. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be like Elvis coming out on stage where it's like, oh, yeah, oh, mama. And then you just shrug it off. (laughs) Yep. That's I don't also don't know how any of this is getting funded. So, you know, at some point, it was your idea. It's your show. You know, no one. Look, that's we're pre monetization, (laughs) like all podcasts. At some point, we're going to monetize. People are going to be like, because you want to make money. This is when you set up the Patreon. This is when you. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But it won't be because I'm making any money. It will just be so that way I can actually follow through on this commitment to supply people with (laughs) sequined robes. robes. I keep making more (laughs) ornate every week. Like, I just keep making more and more verbal commitments to open oh, myself man. to a class action lawsuit of extraplasm guests and co-hosts <laughs> um, who are going to be represented by um, entertainment lawyers um, who are going to come and. <laughs> oh, oh, anyway, well, we should probably talk about some Ghostbusters uh, topics and let's do, it. you know, every what's gone on in the last, I guess, week. It's a little less than a week because we last extraplasm came out midweek because. Um, there was this thing called the end of my year for work. Um, but now we get to be in this great time called summer when there's times to do more things. So let's talk about some Ghostbusters headlines. Still making headlines all across the country. The Ghostbusters are at it again. Today, the entire eastern seaboard is alive with talk of incidents of paranormal activity. All in topic today, ghosts and ghostbusting. Extra plasm. Read all about it. Ghostbusters headlines coming at you. All right. So let's start, like talk first about like what's going on with community content is how I'm going to put a big like heading on this, because we have a few different things that are going on. And I think that some of these are going to ramp up even more as we get into Ghostbusters Day and like towards the next Ghostbusters movie. And I mean, hell, if a writer's strike holds, <laughs> we may be the only content, but um, Ghostbusters fan content that's going on that people should know about. Uh, first thing I want to talk about Buffalo Ghostbusters. If you've heard this before, like, the, you know, of course, Dan was on the p- podcast a few weeks ago talking about what's going on for Ghostbusters Day. Um, I want you to know real quick that the Ghostbusters Day stuff is coming, obviously, for Ghostbusters Day. If you want to get in on any of their, um, their T-shirts or their autographs or any of those things, like your clock is ticking on that. So um, that is community content. It's kind of merch, but I'm going to put it under content for now. So if you haven't acted on that, go to Buffalo Ghostbusters on Instagram or Facebook to make sure you check out what's going on because that event just keeps getting cooler and cooler and more and more stuff keeps getting added to it. Like people are getting married at that now. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's become a destination wedding. Um, The Alessi brothers are performing there. Um, You know, like the, the guy who, who says pencil neck next to the containment (laughs) unit, he's going to be there. So I'm like, I'm going to be honest. I'm a little jealous. I'm not going to New York. The dude that says, uh, Ghostbusters. All right. He's going to be there. Yeah. Aldo Ray Estes, right. That's his name. But I'm, I'm a little jealous. I'm not going to be there, but the day just keeps getting cooler and cooler in terms of what's being announced. And, um, I'm kind of bummed that I'm not going and doing like your reporter on the street. Um, cause one, I could go do that. <laughs> and then two, I could eat bagels and pizza while I was there. And then three, I could probably see some family on the East coast, which of course I ranked those in order. Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, but um, if you're not in, if you're in the New York area, go, if you're not go to Buffalo Ghostbusters because your last chance to get on some of the things, um, you know, the autographs that they have ordered up for order and stuff, I think are happening this week. There's a big Ghostbusters fan film festival apparently happening. 
for Ghostbusters Day that I missed last week in talking about stuff. The real Ohio Ghostbusters are doing this in partnership with Ghostbusters News. My understanding from the Ghostbusters News coverage on this is that Jason Fitzsimmons is doing some of the presenting work uh, for this. So I think that Jason Fitzsimmons is going to be the Joe Bob of Ghostbusters fan films. Um <laughs> Like, you know, he's going to show up in like some sort of Ghostbusters version of a Joe Bob outfit. And I hope he does. If Jason, if you're listening out there, I hope you do, because um, that would be amazing. But <laughs> but <laughs> there's a seven hour long fan film marathon that's been announced for Ghostbusters Day. Um, the real Ohio, real Ohio Ghostbusters are doing in partnership with Ghostbusters News. It is apparently going to air on June 8th from 5 p.m. to midnight Eastern. Uh, on Spectrum Channel 991 in the Dayton, Ohio market, as well as on AT&T Uverse Channel 99. So it's a multi-corporate affair and Ooh. it's streaming live worldwide via MVCC, which is the Miami Valley Communications Council. I guess it's like community access television that streams. So uh, Ghostbusters ah, okay. News has the story for this and they have the link for MVCC if you don't live in the real Ohio Ghostbusters territory um which i now that's what i'm calling the media market yeah their media market the real ohio ghostbusters media market um (laughs) i love it um but yeah they're having a lineup of fan-made ghostbusters films many of which are known as fan film classics these include freddy versus yeah it's like turner classics movies except it's like fan film (laughs) classics it's ghostbusters classics fan movies um (laughs) freddy versus ghostbusters Ghostbusters Spilled Milk, Return of the Ghostbusters, Real, A Ghostbusters Tale, Ghostbusters SLC, Ghostbusters Station 6, Ghostbusters Italia, and of course, the worldwide premiere of Ghostheads, the series, a Netflix original, I'm lying, Uh, but what have you done? (laughs) No, that's not in there. But these other things definitely are. And so it'll be a seven hour fan film marathon with presentation from uh, Jason Fitzsimmons. And I believe this is also being done by Mike Soprani. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, Mike, of the of the real Ohio Ghostbusters who put this all together. So um, if you are a person who likes Ghostbusters fan films and you want to get a lot of popcorn and a lot of Skittles um, and a lot of M&Ms and make some weird snack concoction out of all of it in a bowl or just eat it separately and enjoy fan films, that's the thing you can do. So, John, are you going to tune in for fan films on Ghostbusters Day? I I might tune in for some fan films. Why, why not? You know, support support fellow nerds, support fellow creators. Um, yeah. Watch some Ghostbusters stuff. It's uh, it's all in good fun, you know? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm probably going to tune in. And if nothing else, like uh, these are seven. If you can't tune in that day, like these are all things that you can probably find in different places. Like Freddy versus Ghostbusters <clears throat> exists in different places. I know you can get it. Um, I think I actually have a copy of it somewhere like on my hard drive. Now that I'm thinking about this, people are like, how'd you get that? I'm like, I don't even remember. Here's <laughs> like, <laughs> a hard drive and it's full of random Ghostbusters crap. that's just been kept <laughs> over the years. And I'm like, whose is this anyway? I don't even know. One other piece of Ghostbusters day news or apparently Ghostbusters week news is apparently ghost Ghostbusters. Italia is doing something for Ghostbusters week. Have you seen this? I have seen I've I've seen I've seen some posts. There's a lot of posts saying 
We invite the Ghostbusters franchise to celebrate Ghost Week 2023 with us all. A week dedicated to Ghostbusters, which includes the official Ghostbusters Day. Send us a post or a photo or a video with the hashtag Ghost Week. There will also be the possibility to collaborate together for future projects. I don't know what this means because it just sounds like um, Ghostbusters Italia is saying we want to do content for a week and contribute together, which is cool um, because I think pulling people together to share content is, is a good idea. Um, but you can probably find out more about this by going to Ghostbusters Italia or to uh, GB Max's content or to um, what's the what's the name of GB Max's page? Ghostbusters uh, Ghostbusters Mania, I think. Yeah, Ghostbusters Mania. Like you'll probably find this message in many of those places. Um, but the point is that they're going to do some sort of week of content uh, over at Ghostbusters Italia. So something to keep your eyes on. If you're not following them already, that's a pretty fun page to take a look at. So if you go to if you follow Max, um, literally the pinned post on his Facebook, I'm looking at it right now. It's the big like Ghostbusters Italia for everyone. Ghost Week International. So. <laughs> yeah. So um, oh, and it's article. It's also an article on Ghostbusters News, I guess. It is. Yes, this is yeah. also true. So there's coverage of this out there. But what's funny is when you read the article, it's like it's just a reposting of Max's message, which is why I'm like, OK, cool. So what are you doing with all the content? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a week of content. OK, cool. Um, I'm interested to see what the week of content is. That's I love. I love that when you look at the announcement that he made for it, a at the bottom, it says it has the little copyright 2023 ctmg all rights reserved <laughs> but then it also says in like the smallest print on the thing it says uh attire formal jumpsuit listen i have a regular jumpsuit you need to tell me what the formal jumpsuit is like it, <laughs> is that like the black versus the khaki do i wear a shirt and tie underneath it like it's like star trek I, it's I'm like not gotta, trying to break your, dress code. Yeah. You got to wear your dress you uniform. Like, yeah. The dress. Exactly. What is the Ghostbusters dress uniform? Do I, it's got, I can design I know one. exactly what it is. It has is it? a black and yellow caution stripe sash. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's the jumpsuit, but it's it, it's a two piece instead of a onesie. So it's like the same kind of thing, but it's like black. And then you wear the top part unzipped with the shirt and tie. But then you have a caution striped cummerbund. <laughs> I look, I would throw this out there for GB Max. I think that he should make part of Ghost Week. He should, should be a, like a contest to create the best formal dress Ghostbusters uniform. No, I was I was going to say he should for all whatever content he gets sent, however he repackages it and like shows it or whatever they do with it. He should come out as like a uh, like an announcer slash host like, hi, everybody, and welcome to Ghostbusters week. I'm your host, GB Max. Up next, <laughs> we're going to check in with this franchise from America or whatever. But when he does it, he should be wearing his approximation of what a formal Ghostbusters uniform looks like <laughs> for his hosting duty. <laughs> He has a microphone, but it's in the shape of a PKE meter. Like it's. Oh, no. That's another deep cut. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. No, I love it. This would be. I, so I'm interested to see. I mean, look, whenever GB Max is doing something, he does it 150 percent. So, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. He is a he is genius maestro. Yes. So I'm, I'm interested to see what he's doing for a whole week because um, it, it has to be 
over the top and awesome. Um, and I say that with all the most love intended. <laughs> so, um, no, I think that covers, a good dude. yeah, no, he is. Um, I think that covers content like fan content. Oh. Uh, also something? side note real quick. Um, I myself might have a little something, something, uh, on ghostbusters day, uh, for, for anyone who maybe missed out on something I did a couple years ago and, and, might want to get their hands on it. Uh, you might get another chance on Ghostbusters Day. Slightly upgraded version with some additional things in it. Um, so yeah, just, uh, this just putting that thing? out there. Would this be a thing that you asked people on social media recently? It if might they would be. be interested. It might be in pertaining to that. I see. It might be pertaining to that. If you want to know uh, what it is, you'll have to go and solve this mystery yourself by going local just... <laughs> Phoenix Phoenix locals or anyone who's going to be in town and attending uh, Phoenix Fan Fusion, like I said, on the 2nd through the 4th, might be able to come to my uh, table at that event and procure one ahead of time uh, as like a limited sneak peek kind of thing. But for the masses, uh, yeah, stay tuned on Ghostbusters Day. Yeah, I'm saying there's a very cool thing. So. I think if I if I know what it is and I think I know what it is, then it's a very cool thing. So it's also one I don't have. It's also a thing I don't have. So I'm going to have to figure well, out. Well, hey, here you go. You <laughs> are the audience for this. <laughs> and I might throw I'm, in some other cool stuff, too. You never know. You know, maybe a little bonus bonus art print action. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I think, um, you know, now you're giving me an idea because it was like, I'll be a customer. And that made me think of Shark Tank. Like there needs to be a segment of this show called like slime tank. We just like take <laughs> fan produced Ghostbusters ideas. And then we have a panel of people who invest in them or not. I don't know, but um, this yeah. is a half baked <laughs> idea now, but um, oh man, it's, it's, yeah. it's where people pitch their new, their new fan films. There's a committee that approves them now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no. Imagine it's like, you're trying to get a contract to, that would actually be a fun, like fan film kind of project in and of itself. Like Winston is running Ghostbusters now and he starts hearing pitches from <laughs> technology <laughs> firms who want to be contracted to produce the the new gear for all the new Ghostbusters. And so it's like Shark Tank and they're pitching like we present to you the whatever. And then they, <laughs> and it's like Winston is sitting there and he's trying to be business minded and, and he knows what it is to be a Ghostbuster. So he's like, okay, okay. Ray's over there just like geeking out over everything and giving them <laughs> tips on how to improve it before they even decide if they want to do it. <laughs> this would be a really good sketch. Um, this is we should produce this. I like it. <laughs> it's like Ghostbusters week on Shark Tank or something. Yeah. That would be pretty funny. That would be awesome. Um, well, I think that covers content. So we have to talk about merch real quick. Um, the first thing merch wise to know about is that HalloweenCostumes.com has been completely restocked on inflatable Stay Puffs. So if you are entering convention season and you thought to yourself, where am I going to find an inflatable Stay Puffed off season when I can't find that down at the Home Depot in July or June or May or whatever month it is that you're trying to? Uh, HalloweenCostumes.com has the eight foot in stock for a hundred bucks, the 15 foot in stock for 300 bucks. The economics of that don't seem to work out for me. I'm like, 
eight times two <laughs> is 16. Why am I paying three times as much? But come on, HalloweenCostumes.com. Uh, and the 25-foot insane version that you, you know, is the size of a house that people could live inside of like a tree house is $500. Um, I'm not allowed to have the last one at all. I've been prohibited from having that um, by oh the people, goodness. the powers that be here at the Extraplasm headquarters. Um, they said, no, they're right. I live in California and Santa Ana winds would cause him to stampede across the neighborhood and cause a lot of property damage. But if you need a 25 foot stay puffed, HalloweenCostumes.com has it now. And I will tell you this. You should never, ever, ever go to HalloweenCostumes.com without first going to incognito mode on your browser. Because <laughs> if you do, then HalloweenCostumes.com has no cookies. And the first thing it wants to do is encourage you to sign up for a newsletter and give you 15% off for doing so. And 15% off ah. of like 500 bucks <clears throat> is like 75 bucks or something. Right. So it's like a nice chunk of change and you're buying a huge prop. So same thing with Spirit Halloween. If you go to Spirit Halloween and you turn your cookies off and you go there, you'll always get a coupon for 20 percent off. So the more, you know, folks, this is how you um, this is how you get Ghostbuster stuff at a discount. <laughs> Ooh, OK, you don't need hot deals. You just need extraplasm. That's you <laughs> <laughs> okay. promo code proton pack to save 15 percent. I don't have any promo codes, anybody. That's sorry, but um, <laughs> Phantasm Toys, friends of the podcast, Phantasm Toys. Don't forget the Extreme Lizard is out there. If you're an Extreme Ghostbusters fan, you can pick up Extreme Lizard. The Glow in the Dark Scolari Brothers are also out there, although they're called the Scary Scolaris, not the Scolari Brothers. But you know, the Scolari Brothers. Come on. Uh, so those are out there right now. You can pick those up. I have them. They're awesome. Mine just don't glow, but they're great and. If you missed out on those originally, they are like probably some of my favorite Phantasm toys collectibles. They are very cool. So, um, yeah, that's toy. Oh, yeah. And then one more thing. Don't forget about the TCU toys. Winston is still out there for pre-order. So that's a thing. Big news in autograph collecting. If you are a fan of autographs and you want them, the containment unit, as I've talked about over the last couple of weeks, they're going to be making their trip across California for their Busters Across California tour. Um, which is not an official name for their trip, but it is now. Um, <laughs> um, it's going to stick. It may include having dinner with me. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. Like, I'm I'm in talks to be like, hey, let's you're going to be here. Let's have a sandwich. And, and if you want your her. limited edition Bank Maniac autograph. <laughs> no, that's we have several. not a thing. That's not a thing we're doing. Several, a selection of eight by tens you could choose from. Yeah, we're having dinner. We're actually having dinner so that way they can collect my napkin, my fork. Um, they're going to have it sealed in acrylic. And then I'm going to do a life cast of my fingers around a microphone. Um, and we're going to release that to the audience of one who would buy it, which is me, because I'm a total narcissist. No, I'm kidding. Uh, oh, God. No, <laughs> like the containment unit is going to be doing their tour across California to see lots of folks from Ghostbusters. Um, some of those folks include Richard Edlund, uh, Robin Shelby, Mark Brian Wilson, other people I'm forgetting right now who you may need in your collection. Um, go to the containment unit collect autograph group on Facebook. It's called the containment unit. We collect spores, molds and Ghostbusters autographs for full details. The last day to place an order is on the 25th. 
The podcast is coming out on the 22nd. If you're listening to this on the 24th, go now and act quickly. If you're listening to this on the 26th, look look at yourself. Consider what your choice is. Look what you did. I'm shaming you now. Don't miss out on Richard Atherton. That's not his name. <laughs> Oh, and there Cadet Jim goes over the edge of the track into the slime pit. (laughs) (laughs) You need to recalibrate your PKE, Cadet. (laughs) This is a face plant that will stay in the podcast for humor's sake. And so that I can explain the following. I struggle with William Atherton's name. And the reason I do is because in one movie, his name is Walter Peck. But the reason we remember him is that he's dickless. That's the name he's given in the movie that haunted him forever. Then in the next movie in which I countered him is a child, because let's be real, my parents let me watch all these movies when I was four and six years old. He was Dick Thornburg of, like, Die Hard. So he was dickless, but then he was Dick. (laughs) And of course, Dick is short for Richard. So in my brain, he becomes Richard Atherton. And now everyone has heard way too much about how the sausage is made. In my brain, about William Atherton, whose autograph you can purchase from the containment unit. But only if you act. By May 31st. I know stuff. See, I I told you, folks, when John comes, the format breaks. All of my notes, (laughs) they go away. My brain melts into fun time. And people either love or hate these episodes. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I take the blame for everything. This is my fault. Don't. It's mine. It's totally mine. It's because I'm. I blame I'm, myself. So do I. <laughs> and I blame myself for sure. Um, there was not a completely successful test of this podcast before we began. That's, I think, what's going on. But um, yeah. So don't forget about your autographs. Now that I've had a laughing fit about my new friend Richard Atherton, and I, part of me now wants to buy an autograph from the containment unit and just have it signed, <laughs> Richard. <laughs> and frame it all right um okay so i think that covers merch maybe oh no it's one last thing i want to talk about which is weird prop store has announced that they'll be auctioning off a proton pack from ghostbusters 2016 (laughs) that's right you can buy a proton pack from ghostbusters 2016 during the entertainment memorabilia live auction los angeles 2023 taking place between june 28th and june 30th uh, so if you want to take a look at this, you can go over to the prop store website and take a look at the auction catalog. But there is a real deal Ghostbusters 2016 or as it's I guess that's not the name of the movie. So Ghostbusters answer the call. Um, <laughs> there is a proton pack from that movie that you can buy. Some of you out there are like, that's awesome. Some of you out there are like, that's terrible. And you know what? We don't need to hear from you. It's OK. <laughs> Do you have any commentary about the Ghostbusters proton pack from 2016? I honestly think it's awesome and I wish I was rich because it's a proton pack and it was in a Ghostbusters movie and it's a thing that you can now own. And I think I read that it like actually has like it lights up and everything. And also like I like I would 
I would gladly hang that thing on my wall. Are you kidding me? Like I build would. a like break in case of emergency display box for it or something. Yeah. That's awesome. Like, look, kudos to whoever gets their hands on it. I would Seriously. agree. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm being funny because I'm really I have no look. I people who listen to this podcast know my position on that movie is this. It's yeah. not my favorite movie, but I don't I have no ill will to anybody who likes that movie. I'm not like 100 percent. So, no, it does light up. It is cool. Um, I think that yeah. if I wanted to have a proton pack, it would be, you know, if I wanted to have a prop, it would be, I would have no shame in having this on my wall. That being said, I do need to warn some people out there a little bit further. This is the proton pack that was worn by Leslie Jones. Oh, that's dope. <laughs> so for some people to like, yeah, that's the proton pack to own. And some people who have Twitter accounts and still are using Twitter. <laughs> Hold on. I have a Twitter account. I do. And too. I'm still using I just, Twitter. I am. Too. And I, I want that proton pack. <laughs> I will I'm tweet just about teasing. how I want that proton. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just teasing. You know, I'm just no, teasing. I know, I know, I know. But no, it is, it is apparently Leslie Jones's screen worn proton pack. Um, and I, it, what Jason from Ghostbusters News says is it should be noted that some of the character specific gear did get tossed around to other actors during reshoots and more specific heavy, heavy, uh, more special effect heavy scenes. So there's the potentiality that. This proton pack was worn by others as well, but it is the one that was at least designated always, as the Patty proton pack. So side note, whether we're talking about this movie or any of the other Ghostbusters movies or anything, it has always boggled my mind how much attention people pay to that stuff. Because I could understand if like within the context of the movie, like each character had like you know, written their name on their pack or like had some sort of like sticker or something. Right. Some little customization that they put on their pack where it's like Ray is the one that has the slime blower built in. Egon's the one that has the whatever, you know, that kind of thing. So you could tell like, oh, that's Egon's pack. But in the context of the real world of Ghostbusters, like if it was a real thing, I 100 percent believe that unless each of them had made some specific little, you know, tweaks and modifications to their pack to fit them personally. If they are in theory all the same and function all the same, they probably would have just like grabbed whatever pack was closest and run into action. It's like grabbing so a hammer. So it's crazy. Yeah. So it's crazy to me that people are like, no, that scratches a quarter of an inch further down <laughs> the side of the cyclotron. That's Bill's back or that's his proton pack. You know, I, and it's I say crazy, like not that it's a bad thing, but it's just like, whoa, I have never thought that in depth about Proton. Packs. Well, it's kind of funny because it's like the, the Spangler pack was like, I mean, I think before the Spangler pack and like we're getting like probably, you know, off topic or whatever, but it's fine. But it's not like oh, we, we don't totally do that are. anyway. But like the Spangler pack it, it certainly is a custom pack, right? Like there's modifications that Egon has made to it. He's added a shotgun yeah. muzzle to it and stuff. Yeah. But before and that's that, different. Yeah. Right. But like before that, like the only customizations I can think of are like Vankman's lights go backwards, right? His lights go counterclockwise yeah. and there's no real <laughs> explanation for why his counter, his cyclotron well, just goes that, in the opposite direction. And that kind of stuff where you can identify it. I love coming up with the little backstories. Like that's probably because Peter tried to make his own repairs 
and like he got away <laughs> with it and it still works. But Egon sees that every time they suit up and just kind of like grumbles under his breath because he knows that Peter just like <laughs> he installed the cyclotron loves, upside down. <laughs> yeah, he installed it upside down and Peter always grins and is just like, what? It works. And Egon's just like, yeah you know it just angers <laughs> and like other than that it's like Holtzman has a, a little nuclear powered like heart thingy like on yeah their pack right I think is part of the deal yeah. right so yeah. yeah um that's I mean that's that beyond that though you're right it's like there weren't these big customizations as much as there was just battle damage you know maybe that you would look at and gouges on the on the, the paint or something and I, I don't mm. know that it would be like hey it's mine versus like hey take proton pack unit three uh, and head out yeah. and dispatch on this. The power exactly. cells on Proton yeah. Pack yeah. Unit 1 are recharging right now, or I don't know, but yeah. Um, let's finish off headlines here with um, some video game news. First piece of video game news. This past week, Illphonic released patch 1.5.3 for Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed. Here's the thing. No one knows what it does. That is my news on that <laughs> It's literally a patch release. If you own this game, you downloaded a patch. You now have version 1.5.3. In fact, when you boot into the game, there is a news headline from Ilphonic that says patch 1.5.3 is here. When you open it, it has no notes explaining what it does. So something was fixed or something was broken. Something changed. Or, <laughs> or this is part of a super meta alternate reality mystery built into the game. <laughs> it's like a game in a game that makes you question if it's a game at all. <laughs> it's a ghost patch, right? The patch itself exactly. is a ghost. It was produced by ghosts. It's you have the to get ghosts super are meta haunting now. the game. Yeah. Look, knowing Ilphonic, the only way to find out what the patch notes are is you need to go watch 20 hours of people playing this game on Twitch and then link your PS account, your Xbox account to your Epic <laughs> Games account so that, that way you can unlock the release notes to tell you what's happening next. <laughs> Some of you out there play this game and have gone through the pain of getting uh, the varying skins that you can get by watching people play things on Twitch know exactly what I'm talking about right now. <laughs> but <laughs> I digress. The other piece of Ghostbusters video game news. This game came out, Lego 2K Drive. It's apparently like Mario Kart, but with Lego cars. And you can build the Ecto-1 in it. Ooh, and then like okay. race the Ecto-1. And Jason from Ghostbusters News did this. And he has like video coverage that you can go check out on how to build it. And how to race around in it. And to be honest, I had like very little interest in this at first, but one, I realized it was like a Mario Kart game that I could play on my PC. And I was like, well, that's kind of cool. And then two, I realized I could build like kind of whatever car I wanted. I was like, I could build the Ecto-1, but I could also build like some crazy Batmobile nonsense. DeLorean. Yeah. Or an Ecto-Lorean or a, Ooh, an just Ecto mash up everything. Yeah. Mash up everything. A Batmobile that also has the sirens and hoses and a gunner seat <laughs> yeah i mean if it's zack snyder's batmobile it already has a gunner seat boom boom indeed i mean if it's tim burton's batmobile it doesn't have a gunner seat it just has disposable pop away machine gun doors that he leaves around as evidence all over gotham city I was going to say, to be fair, every Batmobile has had guns on it. So, yeah, whatever. but that but that one's guns. Like, I don't think anybody ever talks about this. That Batmobile drives into Axis Chemicals 
And it's not like they're doors that flip open and then close. They're just like covers that blast off the the gun mounts. And like, right. he just leaves them around like he's Batman. He's not supposed to all this ninja skills. He's like, I just leave debris that's, everywhere. That's the first thing that Alfred does when he comes back after a mission. Alfred's just like, I see you've used the machine guns again, sir. And then he just like he ha- he like opens a hatch and like he pulls the Batmobile in the little like tool chests and repair kits and everything pop up so Alfred can get to work. And one of them is just like a giant shelf of replacement covers for the machine guns. <laughs> and then Batman's got to send a cleaner out to go like find the different pieces of his Batmobile he leaves behind. Right. You know, it's so like, no one sees that they're stamped with like Wayne Industries really tiny on the bottom. <laughs> yeah. Or like think about the scene where he like with like the people like Ghostbusters podcasts, you idiots. Come on. But like think about um that scene where the Batmobile turns into the little bat bike. When he like, turn, like you know, mm. comes all like narrow and fits between buildings, right? Like, and it just basically strips off pieces of it just fall off on the ground behind it. Oh it yeah, yeah. Comes a little sorry, you're talking. That races you're still away. talking about. Yeah, okay. I was like, wait, are we talking about the Dark Knight now? Because that no, no. does. But that's that because has, that Batmobile, he gets out of it and it's already like wrecked anyway, and then it blows right. up, doesn't it? No, no. So then this is all like, that's left is the bike. In return, we're talking when, like, about yeah when he has to like shed both sides, and then it's like a. Like a drag racer that fits like down a, the alleyway. It's like yeah. a bat unicycle. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a pod on one wheel. Just like. Right. Just cruising down the road. <laughs> like. But yeah. And then he fits between an alleyway, like a narrow space between two buildings. But like, think right. about that. It's like the Gotham City Police Department is like, we have no idea who this is, Commissioner. And like the commissioner's like, I don't either. I have no idea. I'm not even the cool version of Commissioner Gordon. I'm the fat version of Commissioner <laughs> Gordon. Right. He's like, I don't either. I'm clueless. I'm basically Officer Bob Brady from South Park. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he like that version of Batman. <laughs> It's very clear that the GCPD has no interest in finding out who he is. They're just kind of like, he's here to help. He gave us a signal. I guess we'll use it. Whereas like every other version, well, most of them, there's at least some angle of like, who is this guy? We got to figure it out until he wins their trust over. Right. They're just like, somebody came. They had guns bigger than the other guys and they gave us a spotlight. We're very happy. (laughs) And they gave us a spotlight. We're very thankful. He sent us a signal. <laughs> it's good. Uh, all right. Anyway, so getting back to the point of this Lego 2K drive, go check it out. You can build a Ghostbusters Ecto one. You can build a Batmobile. You could build the flying Ecto one. That's going to replace the Ecto one in the next movie by my predictions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what piece of news we didn't talk about somehow that I completely was supposed to be at the absolute top of this. And instead, somehow we started with community content news and I'm a terrible Ghostbusters podcast host who's completely oh, broken the format. True. You're not terrible. We didn't What's talk up? about Sigourney Weaver. Oh, you are terrible. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> You're fired. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to my new show. <laughs> how, do, how do we not like how do we lead? How do we not lead with Sigourney Honestly, Weaver? Honestly, I think it's because and this is not to say that we shouldn't talk about it because we're about to talk about it. But I think it's a little more of a like a non-issue than people. Some some people will probably take it as. But that's just my opinion. What do you think? Well, we should tell people what it is because we didn't tell them yet. We're we're already commenting on it. 
See, now you're fired. Um, I'm fired. Jim, back to you. <laughs> uh, so Sigourney Weaver, this, okay, like real quick, this, if, if finding out that an actor is not doing a project potentially bothers you, then fast forward 10 minutes. <laughs> okay, you had your chance. Sigourney Weaver is not in the new upcoming Ghostbusters movie as per Sigourney Weaver. That's the news. Um, Sigourney Weaver was apparently interviewed and in an interview suggested that she's not going to be coming back to do the picture. She's okay with that. She joked that she'd be back, but only instead playing the role of Slimer's mother, which is kind of hilarious. I I would, (laughs) but I guess she was in an interview with Collider and in Collider, they asked, are you coming back for, you know, this, this new Ghostbusters picture. And she said, no, I mean, I wasn't asked to be in this Ghostbusters. And I think, you know, a little of us goes a long way. So, um, will we be seeing Sigourney Weaver in the new Ghostbusters movie? No. Does this lend some credence to my theory that it's a bottle movie? It all happens at the firehouse and Bill Murray's only appearing via zoom. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. (laughs) I mean, that could be true. I also like, honestly, I hope that people know that anytime I say this kind of stuff, like I am a hardcore Ghostbusters fan. I hope people know that by now. Yeah. And if Sigourney Weaver was in this movie, I'd be like, sweet. There's Dana. Awesome. Sweet. But I also think that on some level, you got to recognize like Dana's not a Ghostbuster. She's Peter's wife at this point. And that's great. Right. But it seems like this story in the world of Ghostbusters is moving in a direction where the, you know, Peter, Ray and Winston are going to be in sort of like mentor supervisor roles as far as like the Ghostbusters themselves go. And we're going to have new people actively in the field, wearing the gear, busting the ghosts, doing all that kind of business of Peter, Ray and Winston, I feel like we're going to see Ray and Winston the most because Winston's running the business and Ray's probably going to be basically the guy in the chair, you know, and and then on top of that, you still got Janine, who's also going to be doing, you know, admin stuff and helping run the place. So. While obviously it's always, you know, appropriate for Peter to show up and, and be Peter, it's it's becoming increasingly less necessary for him to be there in order to tell a Ghostbusters story. Agreed. Yeah. And I think by extension, it's even less necessary for Dana to be there, especially because Dana was in those first two movies so prominently because both of the central villains of those films were connected to her. They wanted her. They wanted the baby. They were haunting her apartment, all that kind of stuff. That's, you know, Dana now, as great of a character as she is, is basically there as Peter's wife and as someone who is familiar with the kinds of stuff that Ghostbusters go through. But the story is not nearly as much about her as it used to be. It isn't at all. No, I mean, look, so much so that like Sigourney Weaver was in the post credits. Yeah. Like she's she's not part of either of the last two movies narratives. Right. Like, and, yeah. I, and, like and even in the context, like, I don't know what like if that was all that was, you know, shot of her for that movie or if there was more. 
But even if I was to go back and and look at that movie and imagine like where else could they fit her in, I could imagine that being a longer scene where like, you know, Phoebe calls uh, Ray from jail and then maybe you see Ray call everybody else and you see, you know, Peter pick up the maybe that's when you see like Peter and Dana at home and then the phone rings and you see Dana answer it. And then you see her face drop and then she looks over at Peter and then Peter realizes like, oh, it's it's a Ghostbusters thing. And then that like that's the additional footage that might have been shot of her scene or something like there's not it wouldn't have made sense necessarily for Dana to then also like what be at the farm at the end wearing a proton pack like she's not a Ghostbuster. Right. And so, like I said, if there is some narrative reason for Dana to be back. Awesome. Bring Dana back. I'm always happy to see any of the cast of Ghostbusters so far come back and be in a new one. But I also don't think it detracts from the story to be like, oh, well, there's not really a part for Dana in this one. I always feel guilty when we talk about this kind of stuff. And I'm just like, does it matter? And it's not because talking about it like we're doing right now doesn't matter. I always worry that everyone else is going to be like, John doesn't even really like Ghostbusters, does he? And I'm like, I'm not even being negative. I'm just saying, like, we're still going to get a good movie, you know? Yeah, no, of course. Of course we are. Like, that's like, I, I don't think you're being negative. I think that you're being realistic that like, look, I'm going to say this. This is going to like, I hope I don't put anybody on blast like from a social media group that I'm in affiliate with another podcast that you and I also listen to are in the same group. But someone okay. recently posted in a group that you and I are both in and said, um, hear me out. Jay and silent Bob in the next Ghostbusters movie. And hear I was just out. like, why? I was, and that was literally my response was why, <laughs> right? Like some people were like, yeah, this is awesome. And I was like, this isn't awesome. There's no reason Here's- for this. Like, and here's the thing. I think a lot of people operate on the rule of cool and and it's. There is a time and a place for the rule of cool to have the effect of and that was cool. And it's right. usually when you've done the work narratively. To lead up to a, a moment where you could do it in a way that's like, oh, that was pretty good. And then you could do it in a way that's like, OK, that was cool because right. there's an opportunity to crank it up to 11. And but it always comes from within the story. The story creates the moment. And if the story is not good enough, you don't just do the moment anyway and be like, but it was cool because then it it never works. No, agreed. And that's why I'm like, if they're if they don't have a reason to have Sigourney Weaver, if they don't have a reason to have Dana Barrett in this film. Fine, that's okay. But it also means that something else is probably true that everybody can put away now and like put back in the box and stop talking about. I think I know what you're going to say. It probably means that Oscar's not in the movie yep. either, everybody. OK, everybody out there who's like Oscar, oh, the movie's going to be about Oscar because there's a British guy. Oscar's probably not in the movie, everybody. If Dana yeah. Barrett's not in the movie, there's no way in my mind that Oscar is somehow in the movie. So did I tell you about how I would handle Oscar if, if he was going to be in one of the new you know movies or projects or whatever? I don't recall, but maybe my. Everybody has always had this idea of like, oh, like they need to bring Oscar back. He needs to be the lead of Ghostbusters three or he needs to be like in charge of the new team, one of the main characters or whatever. And I'm like, if I was doing this, my move would be to play it because Oscar would be like what in his. You know, 30s now, if he's like early born in 89, right? If he's, if yeah. Give the given them the license of saying born in 88. So he'd, so. he'd be like. 32, 33, probably. 
I would literally like at some point early in the movie, like if he was going to be in the next one, have uh, Peter and Dana walking down the sidewalk, just kind of like talking and being really anxious about like, I hope you're ready and blah, blah, blah. You know, like they're taking their kid to school, but then you reveal that it's Oscar and he's like 35 and, and you know, they're walking him to the firehouse and he's like, <laughs> mom, dad, I'm going to be fine. And they're like, well, we're just worried about you, sweetie. You know, all that kind of stuff, just like playing into it. And he shows up and he it's his first day at work. So they're walking him like it's his first day at school. And it's um, but he's working as like, you know, Janine number two, like she's training him to right. play the role that she plays instead of it being like Oscar's in the field and he's a badass. <laughs> right. It's like, no, no, no. Like Oscar is like, I want I don't want to be around the action if I don't have to. I don't want to have to see ghosts if I don't have to. I don't want to be in the middle of it, but I care and I do want to be a part of it. Right. And so he's like working alongside Janine just to like handle calls and do things and handle, you know, stuff around the office. And I thought that would be cool. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I, I there's like there's ways to bring him in, but I don't think it's going to be in this picture. You know, no, I, I don't think so. Like, literally, they should just be like they don't have to say anything because he's not a huge character and no like normal people. And I say normal people knowing that I'm not a normal person because I obsess over Ghostbusters. <laughs> but I don't think the general audience is necessarily clamoring to be like, where's Oscar? Right. I think they're just like, oh, yeah, they saved a baby in the second one. And so I think at most, if anybody wants to put anything in there, they're just like, oh, yeah. Oscar studying in Europe with his dad or, you know, living with his dad or, or not even living because he's an adult now. He has his own right. place. They could just be like, oh, he lives in Europe. He's, he has kids. With, he's in his thirties. He takes after his mom, you know, <laughs> he has kids. He's rescuing from bathtubs full of slime. Oh, um, you know, <laughs> he he's not a big fan of baths, though. He's much more into showers. He actually hasn't had a bathtub in 25 years. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I'm I like I said, I don't I didn't mean it to bury the lead on that. Every I'm like, it's really terrible that I buried the lead on that that badly that I'm like, hey, let's talk <laughs> about all this other stuff. Before we talk about the Sigourney Weaver thing that was at the top of my notes and I just completely skipped. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's fine. Like, it, it's it's not a big deal to me. I'm glad that, like, she's still supported the franchise and stuff. And yeah, you know, it's like, like, by I no don't means need to be does there, this you know? sound like it doesn't sound like the whole thing with. um the uh the alien movie that she wanted to make with uh with what's his name that did district nine where it was like oh this all sounds so cool and she's super jazzed about it and then they were like no like it sounds like yeah. she understands reasonably like oh yeah it makes sense that we're not in this one but also i'm so excited that they're still making ghostbusters movies yeah you know so um i'm still eager to see that movie uh, hopefully we'll see it you know uh, hopefully we'll see it by the end of the year but i mean I i'm my my since I know I said like two episodes ago, they said at CinemaCon it's coming at the end of the year. Now I'm like, yeah, no, there's a writer's strike and we're going to see what happens. So <laughs> like, <laughs> we'll see what happens with the director's guild and, and screen actors guild. And uh, yeah. And yeah. also that's just a quick turnaround too. Oh, it's incredibly quick. It's incredibly quick. And I've, I've said that all along that I'm like, can they make this deadline? So, um, you know, but I'm, whenever it happens, I'll be happy. That's I, I've said this. We waited yeah. so long for the last one. And then even when we thought it was coming, the universe turned upside down and went, hi, there is a global pandemic going on and you'll get your movie when we're good and ready for you to have your movie. So, you know, and the other the other thing, too, is just like you like 
I was talking to uh, Craig Goldberg the other day about this. Like, it's going to be the first time after four Ghostbusters movies that we are getting a sequel not only so quickly, but also a sequel that does not necessarily, you know, we haven't seen it yet. We don't know how it's going to go. But I feel relatively certain that the movie is not going to start with either the Ghostbusters forming for the first time, the Ghostbusters being out of business and needing to get back into business, or the Ghostbusters being long gone and somebody needing to find a proton pack in the garage. Yeah. And that's not to disparage any of the last ones, but like for the first time in the history of Ghostbusters movies, there's a I'm going to say a very likely chance that this movie is going to start. And immediately hit the ground running with like, and here's the Ghostbusters busting ghosts. You know what I mean? Like in business, which is that's the most exciting part for me, because it's like, oh, yes, the train is still going instead of stopping and starting again. (laughs) Yeah, no, agreed. It's not like they have to. I mean, they they are going to have to give us some sort of like, what does a rebuilt firehouse look like? You know, because the last one they showed us was a hovel. But, you know, um, but I am hoping I'm hoping to some degree that like. Like, you know, they ended the last one showing Winston bringing the car back into the firehouse and it obviously needed work. And I'm not expecting them to necessarily take every single thing that happened in Spirits Unleashed and be like, oh, and here's us talking about that in the next movie. Right. But just the idea of like, hey, the firehouse is back open and maybe they've had a couple interns, but it's already been like rebuilt and up and running and things are moving again. Like, let's jump back into that and just show like, and right. these are the people who are working here now. And these are the people like, let's just go right into like, anyway, here's the daily business at Ghostbusters headquarters. Yeah. And then get into like whatever the big problem of the movie is. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, You know, Sigourney Weaver, we love you. And, you know, we. Yeah. We'll, we'll Obviously, still be glad you're in the Ghostbusters franchise, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. not. By no means is it on us to tell you you're a welcome in Ghostbusters. No. But <laughs> from the point of view of like, what do we want to see? Like, I want to see a good story. And I'm always open to that story involving Dana Barrett. Yeah. I'm OK if it doesn't, but I'm always open to it. I agree. So I think that kind of wraps up the news for the week, um, even though we put probably the biggest story on the bottom of the news segment. I, I seriously, <laughs> I'm like, I got to get fired, man. Um, but you're fired again, that's ladies it. and gentlemen. Welcome back to my show. This is it. This is the one where it's like he they got to episode 35. It was getting close to the 46. They almost found the podcast voice. And then this guy just stopped forget, remembering how to organize things by, by primacy and importance. Um, Honestly, <laughs> I'm surprised we got away with me being here to break the format as many times as we did and the show's still going well. Now it's finally happening. We're just deteriorating. Yeah, now it's going to, you know, now <laughs> we're going to leave Ghostbusters headlines and get into the conversation, the 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 commentary talk, which just becomes <laughs> a freewheeling mess for everyone. So um, let's do it. Let's play the musical sting that moves us out of headlines. So, John, um, now that we're done talking about headlines, let's talk about one more thing that we didn't talk about in headlines that as I want to talk about as a bigger picture thing um, and a broader commentary thing. I don't know if you saw the story that's come out in the last week or two about Ghostbusters theme park action. Have you seen this? I, I've heard some things that there might be some new theme park attractions opening 
closer to us than any of the ones that have happened so far. Yeah. Um, apparently, there's a um, some there's a plant there's a group a company called Merlin Entertainments that's entered into a partnership with Sony Pictures, and they're working to develop like more theme park opportunities for Sony's IP. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that means like new parks or what that means, but they're apparently talking about like using existing Sony licenses to bring more Sony stuff to existing theme parks. And some examples of what they, they've worked on before is that like there's an, a Jumanji land um, that's going to be happening at the Chessington World of Adventures in the UK. There's apparently a dark ride okay. there called Jumanji the Adventure already that's happened in an Italian theme park that Merlin has a partnership with called Garda Land. So now there's going to be a Jumanji land in the UK. <clears throat> and they are apparently the people who worked on the Ghostbusters 5D ride at um, Hyde Park, which is in the which is in Germany, which I think if you may recall, like during the lead up to Ghostbusters Afterlife, there was um, uh, an Instagram story and like coverage of Jason Reitman visiting a German theme park and staying in its Ghostbusters themed hotel rooms. Do you remember this? Yes, I do. Yeah. So they're apparently the company that did that, too. OK, so like Merlin has made existing partnerships, has already done some of these like one off projects with Ghostbusters IP and with like Jumanji IP. And now they're going to do more of that, um, which I find really awesome and exciting because like we live as close as we do. Like I live closer, obviously, than you do um, to like Disneyland. Right. And it's like you can go to yeah. a Star Wars land or which I'm never going to do. I'll be honest. Um, or a Marvel land. Um, and. There's like not the closest I can get to a Ghostbusters land is I can take a $50 tour at the Sony lot and swing by the Millennium right. Biltmore, right? Like and you go to Ghostbusters Day in New York City um, and yeah, stand outside the firehouse. the firehouse. Yeah. Or I could drive by the one in L.A. and be like, I don't want to stop because I'm scared. Yeah. Um, and right. I couldn't get inside. And if I got inside anyway, everything would be boxed up and it would just be a construction site. Um, yeah, I'm I got to say, I'm really excited about this. Like, it's something that. I have been dreaming of for many years. And I think that probably since universal like stopped their ghostbusters, um, partnership back in the day when they had, you know, all the stuff, the ghostbusters fan spectacular show they did. Right. I'm excited about this. I don't know about you, but like, I guess what I want to ask you about is like, what is, what would be like your wish casting dream for like what goes on at a ghostbusters theme park? Oh, gosh, man. Honestly, like, I don't know. I couldn't even imagine all the stuff you could do with a Ghostbusters theme park, but I think. I think what would be cool is. If you could do like a corner of a theme park, like how Universal has like, you know, you could like they they used to have the um, do, I, do they still have it? I know Disney has like the rights for Marvel and stuff. I haven't been to Universal since forever ago, but how you could go and it's like, oh, this corner of Universal has all the Marvel characters and stuff like right. that. If you could have like a corner of a theme park like that, like a section that's like, and this is Ghostbusters land or whatever. I think it would be cool to, you know, have like, you know, you could have the queue. Eh, I don't know. 
I I'm trying to figure out a way to link it all together. But in general, like imagine you had a thing where it's like a dark ride where you have to go and rescue some Ghostbusters who have been like sucked into the netherworld or something, or like you are in like an ecto and yeah. you're on patrol, but then you get sucked into the netherworld and it's very much just you trying to like make it back home. And the whole time you hear like Dan Aykroyd's voice, like, don't worry, cadets, we're working on a way to get you out of there. Just stay safe, dodge the whatever, you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, and it's just like cameos galore from all kinds of ghosts across the movies, maybe even the cartoons, whatever, you know, maybe it is a rescue mission. And uh, and you have like some characters in there that are just, you know, maybe it's Phoebe and podcast or maybe it's just like original characters. And they're like, oh, thanks for coming, guys. And you feel like your car jolt as they like connect theirs to yours <laughs> to get out of there or something. Um, I also think it'd be cool to have like a. I'm trying to think a roller coaster could be cool. Maybe that's how you could do like. <laughs> See, you you just got. Me oh, man. What if you had a. What if instead of that, because that could be cool, but I also like the idea of like being in an ecto and it's like you go on patrol and you have like a thing where like you're going through. I don't know. There's so much stuff. I feel like if I sat down and like wrote my ideas out, I could be more coherent. Because I'm also thinking like, what if you had kind of like Space Mountain, how the roller coaster is like in the dark completely? Yeah. What if you did that kind of thing where it's like, oh, now you're in the netherworld. And like you like you're disoriented, you're going really fast, but you're seeing flashes of like this endless dimension full of ghosts and everything and and just like evil cackling. And then like at the end, you finally head toward what looks like this looping, spiraling portal. And it and then you hear Dan Ackward like, oh, let's try not to let that happen again. Or, you know, or maybe <laughs> it's like you're in the containment unit like they used to go in the cartoon and you have to like. You know, we accidentally trapped the wrong thing and we need you to get it out or, you know, I don't know. I I feel like there's a ton of possibilities. I think like the first thing that I'm thinking now, as you said this, because you started doing a Dan Ackroyd voice, is that the first thing I want out of Ghostbusters theme park is that all of the safety announcements. For all of the rides are done by Dan Aykroyd. So he's like, it should be you're getting on rides and he's like, welcome cadets to Slimer's runaway train. Pull, press up and pull down on your lap bar cadets. I'm totally imagining. So, you know how in the. uh, Imagine if there was like a Ghostbusters training 101 or like Ghostbusters ride along, you know, and it's like you are. There are like ecto cars. And, you know, like on a roller coaster or whatever. And you know how you used to uh, in the in the original Ghostbusters video game or not the original, but the the 2009 one, the like the sub basement level was where they trained you to use the proton pack when that ghost got out. Imagine like the queue for a ride is like you go into the firehouse front door and then it's like a line that goes like past the Ecto one, past Janine's desk, down the basement stairs, past the containment unit where you can like there's like a screen that's connected to it. So you can see all the ghosts in there past all the gear hanging on the walls down to the sub basement. And that's where you like get on the car that is like for the, the ride. And maybe it's a roller coaster or maybe it's almost like a pirates of the Caribbean kind of thing where it's just slow moving, but there's some bumps and you see some cool stuff. And it's very much like, this is your, 
official cadet ride along that you need to get approved to be a official Ghostbuster or whatever. And that's the whole thing. And and you're just like seeing ghosts and you're seeing glimpses of like other Ghostbusters in action. And and the whole time you just hear Dan just like now cadets pay attention to how they <laughs> wrangle these specters with their stream or, you know, that kind of thing. I had two ideas for roller coaster. One of them was the spectral locomotive. It's just like, ah, that would be fun. It's like a mine train ride, but it's themed to be like, that, oh, York. dude. Imagine, imagine like I was just saying, like you have the like you go down to the sub basement and that's where it starts. Right. And then you get on the car and it's got that kind of Pirates of the Caribbean vibe. But it's it's all it's mainly all in the dark. Right. And then you have maybe you have a section where like between the dark parts, the car comes out into the open and there's like caution tape and like guards that are trying to it looks like they're keeping people back but it's you're just seeing like the outside of whatever the park is right and like people start cheering so it's like <laughs> you know when they arrive at the hotel and they're like oh ghostbusters all right and so it makes it this interactive thing where like the people in the park see that and they're like i want to go on that ride but then like you're going through it and uh and like it goes from like you're just kind of going down a dark street to like oh we're now we're going down into the subway and you get on the tracks and then you're just like you know don't worry this is a shortcut and like the car is all bumpy because you're on the railroad tracks and then like maybe winston's like ray are you sure we should be going this way and then like a train's coming and he's like yeah we definitely need to get off the tracks but then you realize <laughs> it's the spectral locomotive and winston is like i don't i don't want to be here anymore ray and then you like veer off but then you go down and it's like oh now you're in the river of slime and you're kind of riding that for a little while <laughs> until it starts to bubble up like dana's bathtub so then you've got to get out of there and it keeps going to other places and stuff. And see, I hear. So in that version of like a ride, is that to you like a dark, like a dark room ride that has like a screen, like a star tours kind of thing where the room moves We're like, do you want to, cause I want, I'm, I admit I want a roller coaster. I want a ghostbusters roller coaster for real. Like, I think, I think it depends. Like if the point of it is like, you want to feel immersed into a certain level of like, I feel like a ghostbuster right now. Who's being put through like a, a, like, immersive training simulation kind of thing or like an immersive training experience. I would love like a Pirates of the Caribbean style ride where it is like there's animatronics, there's fog, maybe there's some projections, some there's lights, stuff, but it's all very you're in a boat. It's it's <laughs> physical. Yeah. Like I want it to feel physical in that way. Yeah. And it's not like it can still be on a track, but you know how there's some rides where it's like you can tell it's on a track but then it gets to water and then it's kind of like you can tell you're floating in the water, but then you get to the end of the water part and it latches yeah. back onto the track and like that kind of thing. Where like if you go the river of slime, but then you're coming out of it. But I think there's very like for a roller coaster, I think. There's. I think what's tough about that is it's like what element of Ghostbusters puts you on a roller coaster because Thinking about a roller coaster itself, you want like the highs and the lows and the loops and oh my gosh, I'm upside down now and all that kind of stuff. And there's nothing in Ghostbusters inherently that's going to like, oh, it makes sense that you'd be upside down and looping around and stuff. They don't have jetpacks. They don't have that kind of thing. But I think that idea of like, oh, whoops, I got sucked into the netherworld or I had to go into the containment unit. That's a place where you're like, oh, up is down, left is right you know, nothing makes sense anymore. Or maybe like, 
I don't know if they would use stuff from the cartoon specifically, but like if you went in the boogeyman's realm or right. something like that. And and I think in that case, you could have a roller coaster where it's like you're going fast, you're disoriented, everything's kind of creepy, but you kind of hear Ray's voice telling you to hold on tight. We're trying to get you out of there like that kind of thing. Right. Or like a haunted house where things have started to distort and like, you yeah. know, I thought a cool kind of thing. I thought a cool roller coaster idea other than the mine train, like doing sort of like the, the special locomotive would be if you if you themed it around like the idea that in the post um, Ghostbusters 2 world where we knew about rivers of slime and underground threats, if the Ghostbusters like contracted with the city to develop a high speed rail vehicle that could like go Ooh. from underground the firehouse directly on the subway tracks yeah. or directly onto the old look like the old subway tracks that were unused. And so like, yeah, this was your first cool. experimental. So they run have their own the new, like, like the ecto rail, the ecto line or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. Like any, so they like could slide straight down the fire poles from inside the firehouse onto tracks that ran underneath the city as an yeah. emergency response vehicle. Or, or imagine you, uh, in Watchmen, how they go down to like Night Owl's little lair and it's in like a, a sewer and then his his owl ship is right there, kind of like on the railroad tracks yeah. or whatever. Imagine it's like a thing where like you go down to the basement where the containment unit is and there's like the car that you're riding on and like everybody sits there and then the car just like lowers down onto the tracks underneath the basement right. and then takes off. And that's yep. like how they go out on calls and everything. And I was like, that would be a hilarious way for them to be like, look, we were dealing with New York City traffic and all the problems it created. So we contracted yeah, with the city of fun. New York to utilize the old New York locomotive lines that yeah. like. It's just <laughs> yeah. And it, and it could totally be the same, like the Van Horn pneumatic transit right. system that they've repurposed because they're like the city didn't want anything to do with it. And we figured why put it to waste? It was part of our cleanup of the river of slime <laughs> like <Yeah. is> <laughs> the city allocated millions of dollars for slime removal services as part of that partnership we revitalized the railway <laughs> like, <and> just <laughs> or better yet ray is like ray is like it's experimental but everything we do is and and it's like you'll notice that you are still floating down a river of slime but we've positively charged it <laughs> right. like oh okay i feel much better about that thank you ray <laughs> yeah, and then my other idea that's that's weird, like the same river slime idea, would be like a log flume ride, like um, okay, you know, like kind of like just I don't I I don't I don't know that there's like is Disney has one right? Does Disney have a log flume ride, or they guess they they don't anymore because that's Splash Mountain and they're closing it or whatever. I don't know, but like um, there's when I grew up on the East Coast, like at Six Flags, they had a log flume, like you would ride in a plastic log and you would go along this entire like you know raised series of hills that would take you up in the air and you were basically on chutes that you were riding in on a giant log boat and then you would okay. land and splash at the bottom of it and i thought it would be cool if they did yeah. like a river of slime like flume ride that would just, that yeah, just hey you're in sure. the river of slime and i was like that's a no-brainer but i don't know if 100%. like i don't know if those themes are too old for a like a current theme park is it too old for you to call back to ghostbusters 2 in the building no, of a theme park i ride? think i think if you i think there are certain iconic things about ghostbusters that will always make sense to play on i think if you have rides that involve you like being in the firehouse or being in the library or being in the hotel or, you know, being in the River of Slime and maybe even the museum, like those are always going to hit. I think if you have, you know, 
I would love to, you know, it would, and I could also see them trying to connect all those things together. Like maybe you start in the firehouse and then you go underground and then you're on the river of slime and then you come up in, you know, maybe the river of slime flows into the, the underground temple from afterlife, like finding ways to make it make sense that like this one ride is going to hit all the iconic spots from every movie kind of thing. Yeah. I, I'm, I want there to be, um, I want there to be like a whole land. <laughs> that would be cool. I, I think it'd be awesome to have that sort of like, if you could have like, I think ideally, let me, let me think this through. If you could have like a Pirates of the Caribbean kind of ride where it really is just like sit back, enjoy the bumps and the, and the jostling, but it's not going to be too crazy of a ride. It's really meant to just like, feel the vibe and see the things and enjoy the feeling of like, I'm in Ghostbusters. Then you do a roller coaster ride that is just like rapid and disorienting and like, whoa, what a ride. And then you have something that is a little bit more. I'm trying to think like if there was a third thing that you could do, maybe then you do like a, I don't know, a star tours kind of ride or something or like a, like a stage show or some kind of a thing where it's like, oh, okay, here we go. Here we go. Check this out. A subterranean drop ride, like a, like a, like a tower of terror, okay, but it's yeah. like you yeah. go from the top of the Shandor mine and you get dropped to the bottom. Yeah. That would be cool. That could be, I don't know how exactly you would do that, but I feel like that would be pretty cool that to do some cool. sort of like, you know, because obviously you could do that with like an elevator in the hotel. But I feel like if you could come up with some sort of like take a scary trip down to the heart of the Shandor mine and and stop Gozer from being resurrected or something. Mm-hmm. And it's like you're hanging above it. And then like there's the sensation that like you're strapped in and you're a cadet and you're like along for the ride. But then there's Ghostbusters who are with you who are just like, we've got to shoot directly into the pit because the the stationary throwers are malfunctioning. (laughs) And then like you keep trying like they keep trying to shoot it. So you're seeing the proton streams like whiz past you and there's ghosts flying out and you're like, ah, and they're like, we've got to pour it on. They're going to knock us loose. And then like so the thing's like, "Ah," like it's it's, it keeps like dropping periodically (laughs) because the ghosts are like trying to knock it down and everything. And then it's like, pull us back up. And it keeps dropping again. and. And then finally, like they, you know, the we've got to do, you know, the thing is dropping and the proton streams are firing and then they finally like seal the portal and it blows the thing all the way back up. Or like, I feel like something along those lines could be pretty cool. So if you had like a drop ride, a Pirates of the Caribbean style ride and a roller coaster, that would probably be like, that's my like, give me those three things and call it Ghostbusters land and have people in jumpsuits and stuff walking around. I'll be happy. I'm thinking now because I was I would I wasn't thinking about this before, but this just made me start to think about it. Would be, what if you had like a haunted Stay Puft Marshmallow factory? So it was oh, like that would be cool. The actual like factory that makes like yeah, that's your cart was like that would be an idea if it started out as a factory tour of the marshmallow factory, like on a monorail. But then it escalated mm-hmm. into a haunting that just like Stay Puft manifested. And so you had like little cool, mini puffed man. animatronics and like a giant Stay Puft attack of the tracks and stuff like the King Kong attack of like the old universal. Like um, I would like that a lot. That'd be right? a lot of fun. That would be cool. dude. OK, so here's here's something like. I'm also now imagining the merch store. 
Side note, okay. So I'm going back to the Pirates of the Caribbean ride and you said Stay Puft Marshmallows and I know it's a like almost a deep cut reference from the cartoon because it's in the promo, but that shot of Stay Puft hijacking this or not Stay Puft Slimer hijacking the Stay Puft Marshmallow truck. It'd be cool if like <laughs> there was a scenario where like, you know, you're casually floating along, but then like everything goes dark and it like there's projections on the side and things like you come out of like and it makes it look like, oh, now you're like on the highway and you're speeding along and like the lights are going <laughs> and you look off to the side and like there's Slimer and the marshmallow truck passing you or something. And it's just like, oh, what is happening? <laughs> um, but also imagining now that there's like a, a merch shop, because like you go to the Marvel section of Universal yeah. and they have the shop that's like, here, get all your Marvel stuff and your shirts and your comics and your toys and all that kind of stuff. If they have a Ghostbusters centric merch shop, like have the shirts that are like hyping up like I'm at Ghostbusters land and it's very like branded in that way. But also like I would want stuff that's immersive. So like if there is a ride that is like, you know. um, You it's a haunted Stay Puft Marshmallow factory. Let me buy a shirt that is just like Stay Puft Marshmallows, you know, yeah. factory. Or like it's it makes it look like it's real. Like, oh, I got a shirt from the Stay Puft Marshmallow Factory. Yeah. Not the ride, but like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Factory. You know? I want to build your like Neutrona cool. Neutrona Wand lab. Oh, yes. Like lightsabers. <laughs> yeah, dude, that would be amazing. And you can pick like, do you want the black grip or the rifle grip? Right. Do you want this kind of thing or this guy? Throw in some some real Ghostbusters parts. Let people mix and match and be like, I built a custom proton gun. I mean, and it has like. It's blue and it's got this grip and it's got the nozzle. From and the Hasbro, movie, you know. Hasbro already kind of did that with like the mod blaster from the last movie where it was like yeah. you could swap the parts. Right. So Dude, if they did that on so a cool. theme park scale, that would be cool. And then the other thing I was thinking was uh, merchandise wise, like if you wanted like they've got theming and shops like you'd have to have a raise a cult like you could go to oh, like, raise God. a cult. That should be the shop. The shop yeah. should look like raise a cult, like the storefront and everything. And you walk in and the hard fixtures and the decor looks like raise a cult. But then in raise a cult, there's like shelves that have T-shirts and souvenirs and, and coffee mugs and all that yep. other kind of stuff. Yeah. And it could be even be funny. Buy. Like you could even set it up hilariously, like looking kind of tacky and cheesy that Ray was trying to sell all the Ghostbusters merch inside the <laughs> like he could have a collection of like fucking books on spellcasting and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's all it's dusty like, and, and nobody cashing, wants. Right. And he's <laughs> cashing in on the fact that he's a Ghostbuster and people love Ghostbusters. So it's like, get a Ghostbuster shirt while you're here. <laughs> right. Like, Home of Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> you can buy fake autographs like of race dance. Like, like buy your, right. your, your race dance autograph photo for only five dollars. <laughs> Like, that would be funny. Would it's be really just like awesome. headshots of Dan Aykroyd with like race dance on. Right, <laughs> exactly. The same thing you'd buy on eBay, right? It's like the bootleg yeah. autographs that you'd get. Or there, it's like a it's sold by Universal. It's like a. It's like a. I don't even know what you'd call it, but it's like a little, like a mini Tobin Spirit Guide that you can get for like ten bucks that shows like a map of the park, all of the ghosts that are in all of the theme parks with like official artwork and stuff. And yeah. then it just has like a bunch of it's just like a little like gee whiz. Here's a bunch of Ghostbusters stuff and things about like everything that you yeah. saw in the theme park. And then in the back, it's just like a headshot of Ray and it's signed Ray stamps, I mean, you know, but you, like, you could also do like an Ollivander's wand shop kind of thing where it's like, yes, you get a PKE yes. meter, really like buy a PKE meter. And then as you like walk around the environment, 
Like you can. Oh, it goes off because it's, PK it's made to. Yeah, that would be cool. Right, because that's that like some cool. of what you can do with the wands you get at Universal. I think right is or, like you or can, imagine like depending on what depending on where it's set up, like whatever park it is. Maybe there's an app that you can download, or maybe it's like the official Ghostbusters app or something where it's like you can pull up the app and it has like a PKE meter function. And it's like if you are it's basically like you go around and like while you're in PKE mode on your phone, you're like scanning QR codes and then it's yeah. showing you things or whatever. Or you could do AR and do like ecto goggles mode. Oh, yes. Yes. Right. And it shows you like while you're in Raise a Cult, which is like the Ollivanders of Ghostbusters. It's showing you like, oh, Slimer is actually here or there goes Muncher or something. You right. Know, that kind of stuff. Like and that would be kind of cool because then you could act, like all those activations could also be things that even if you didn't go by like. You know, yeah, you can still like it's still worth going (laughs) into the into the shop and looking around. Right. Like maybe it's even like a if you if you stand in a specific spot in the store and it'll have like a little like stand here and it's like, you know, use PKE mode to snap a picture of you and your family and friends and raise a cult. And when you take the picture, maybe this is something that they'd have, like kind of how they take pictures while you're on the roller coaster Mm -hmm. or like when you go by and. um the haunted mansion. It's like stand in this spot at raise a cult. And it shows that like Muncher and Slimer are there with like their arms around you and like eating things and what, you know, that kind of stuff. No, that would be kind of cool. Like if you had like some sort of like you were in the shop, but there's video you get afterwards of all the ghosts that were messing with you. Yeah. It's like, Like, they'll take pictures during the ride, but then it's like, Oh, they take pictures in the shop too. And then you see it's because like, if you stand in the right place, it literally just looks like, you know, paranormal photography of like, you look closely. It's Slimer, you know, but like that's all stuff like I when they think about like making a ride, I'm like, that's one thing. But I'm like, I would love to see an actual like themed land around ghost busting, like just like as yeah. whether you had like a ride, I, like parts of it that were about the ghost verse, whether part of it was like an R&D lab that you went to, you know, I feel like you can do that. I feel like you could ha- especially once we really see like how the world is expanding, because right now it's like, OK, well, we've only like as fans, we're thinking about what do we have? And there's only so much to pull from and there's right. stuff there. But if in the next movie they start introducing like, oh, because Winston has Zedmore Industries, he has there is now an actual R&D lab that, right, you know, Ray oversees. And that's a whole other location where there's characters where like. You know, a Ghostbuster can come in and be like, I need something more powerful than the proton thrower I already have. And then Ray's like, "Okay, team, let's get on this. And he's just geeking out because there's a whole crew of like nerds that we have yet to meet whose job it is to come up with newer and more dangerous equipment. And then that's like a whole section of the theme park that you can have now where it's like visit the R&D lab or something like that. You You could then buy your that's where that's where the, the ghostly consumer products are developed. That's where that's where I've talked about this before. It's like it's almost like the Jurassic Park, you know, thing where they're, you know, you have the host that's like dino DNA and they're seeing how all of it's done. Yeah. Imagine it's just like you're sitting there and it's showing you like, here's our proton testing lab. And then something blows up and they quickly shut the window and they're like, anyway, let's move on to where (laughs) we investigate new methods of containment, you know, or whatever. And it ends in a gift shop that sells things like PKE detecting alarm clocks. And exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like roach motels for ghosts that you can place around your yeah. home. They're just like little uh, ant traps that have lots of cautious stripe on them. Um, oh, yeah. gosh. Imagine <laughs> if they if they could make a thing where it's like take take a ghost home and it's like a 100 bucks, but it's like a little 
cube with a little like mirror projection thing in it where like as long as it has full batteries or it's plugged in it's just like a little lamp that has like an actual little slimer that floats around in there yeah. or something <laughs> they could do that i mean why can't they i mean that honestly that's something that you could totally do at this point between like different um like robo pets and ai pets and things that they yeah. make for kids like or totally make a product or like how they have the things where like you go to sleep and you it's like a little lamp and you turn it on and it projects like the solar system around your room, you turn it on and it just projects like ghosts flying around. Yeah, that would work. That would totally work. Like a mini containment unit, a a tiny containment unit that you take. Oh yeah. Like do you want to sleep in the containment unit instead of lo-fi beats to sleep to it's (laughs) lo-fi ghost snarling and demons growling. (laughs) It's, it's the real ghostbusters animated version of the containment unit. So the minute you activate it, there's just lots of rocky platforms and um, right just float around, around your room. room yeah and then but like I, off to I, the I, side it's just like a bunch of iconic ghosts playing poker <laughs> but i would be open like i will say this i'm open to this like people out there listening to this if you have ideas for what you would love to see at a ghostbusters theme park like i would hit me up message me these because i love talking about this like i want oh, yeah. there to be a i want there to be a land like this that would be cool to go to even if it's not like a whole theme park, i think it's I think it's possible like we're sitting here spitballing all this stuff, not knowing like what the budget is or anything. But in terms of just conceptually, is there enough to make a theme park out of? I think so. At least like a Ghostbusters section of a theme park. Yeah. Like you could do with Ghostbusters at least like I'm not saying you should do it because yeah, I understand that Star Wars is massive and it makes sense that there is that much of like a huge Star Wars presence in Disney. Yeah. But in terms of like, could you have enough material to create something on that scale for Ghostbusters? I think you absolutely could. Yeah, I I am something on that scale and that immersive. The material is there. What they end up doing is probably going to be a little smaller and maybe not as like intricate. But you could do something on the scale of like, you know, what they've done with Star Wars. At yeah. And I think I think you're right. I think that this is a lot in large part dependent upon world building. Right. Like, what is the yeah. world building that's going to happen in the next movie? You know, that's so, and, and the yeah. cartoons well, that are to come. So like, that's probably going to influence world too. building, world building and the actual content we're going to get. And then also, I think you said that and I hadn't thought about saying that up until now, but like. I think that's the thing that I want the most from any Ghostbusters theme park area or, you know, like specific ride or anything is that I want it to feel immersive. I want there to be whether you have one ride and a couple of things around it or you have like multiple rides and a gift shop and all that kind of stuff. I want to feel like when I go to where the Ghostbusters thing is. That I have walked into a Ghostbusters movie, I've walked into the world of Ghostbusters and it's like there's the firehouse there's raise a cult there's the library there is a you know whatever it is I want to feel like I've stepped from my world and into the world of Ghostbusters right yeah and if I can feel that it's like cool this is this is this is what I needed yeah I hear that um sort of along the lines of world building the other thing I wanted to talk with you about since you're here is um we talked last week on this show about the writer's strike and um, mm-hmm. what's going on with that. And that got me into thinking about comics, like where will Ghostbusters stories get told in a world where the writer's strike goes on for a long time? And we you know where will we see them. And of course, that is your wheelhouse is sort of comic books and 
drawing comics. And so I just kind of wanted to talk with you a bit about like, where do you think Ghostbusters comic books can head right now? Um, and do you think that the writer's strike has any influence on whether or not, you know, we, sh- we see a shift towards comic influence in Ghostbusters stuff right now or, or not? Ooh, there's a lot of levels to that. Um, <clears throat> we'll talk about the non-creative aspects first in the sense of like logistically in the writer's strike and everything. I think it's tricky because most of the time, when you look at something like Marvel or DC, like James Gunn isn't writing DC comics. Uh, Kevin Feige isn't writing Marvel comics. So everything that happens on the film and TV side of Marvel and DC is influenced by the comics, but the comics are not, there's, there's a great deal of solidarity between comic creators and the creatives on the film and TV side. Sure. As there should be like, Across the board, creatives are incredibly undervalued and there are people who, you know, deserve to to be making more money for what they do, because what they do is tell stories. And it's that is what. That's what we're all here for, right? Right. Um, so I think it's trickier because it seems like there's going to be a lot of synergy between. Um, what happens in all Ghostbusters media going forward in the sense of wanting to keep it all in continuity. Mm-hmm. So it really depends on like what the connectivity is and how much of it is being shaped by, you know, the studio versus dark horse. Who's going to be publishing the new um, comics and, right. and, and what kind of things are happening. Um, and that can be a blurry line because yes, it, it, they're making a comic book, but you know, it, it depends. Um, but that's true. Like it's a comic book that's based on an IP that is coming out of like movies. And it's also, yeah. And it's also not just like a spinoff or something where it's like, Oh, Ghostbusters. Like if the writer's strike was happening, you know, five years ago and the IDW comic was still coming out there, the comics were not necessarily right. Yeah, they they weren't influenced by anything that was actively happening at the studio. They weren't written by anybody at the studio. They weren't like they weren't in continuity with the movies or anything. They were like at best that. reactive like, to them, right? Like they were just they just existed because yeah. it was a Ghostbusters. I mean, I, the re- and even, my so. argument, like if even saying they were reactive to them, is that like they took IP that existed in multiple canons, right? It was like when yeah. you got the multiverse yeah. within IDW. It was because you had oh, let's take the 2016 movie, the real Ghostbusters characters and the original cinematic Ghostbusters characters and throw them in a blender together and make stories with them for a while. Right. And that to me is reactive rather than something that is like all part of a planned. Oh, hey, we're like releasing these as one integrative canon. It was its own standalone comic canon, whereas what you're saying, and I hadn't really thought about this until you said it, is that in the new the new, you know, Ghostbusters thing, what we heard about of. Jason Reitman and Gil getting up on stage and talking about this at Ectofest last year was like that all of these things were going to, in a soft canon sort of way, fit together. Right. So right. if a movie gets yeah, affected, how does that affect comic book production or timelines? It's something yeah. I haven't thought about. And it's, yeah. I would imagine, I would imagine it's a similar situation with Star Wars too, because as I'm, 
not as immersed in the world of Star Wars, but sure. from what I can tell, like everything from books to the comics that Marvel is publishing and everything else is canon to like everything that has happened in the world of Star Wars since Disney, you know, bought Star Wars. And so it'd be really interesting to kind of look into that and maybe look at that as an example of like when something like this is happening, how does it affect all of the media attached to it? Mm -hmm. um, but I'm by no means like well versed in those kind of intricacies, but it's it's definitely interesting for sure. Um, yeah, no, I, I hadn't. That's something that last week, even when, we, when Matt Zunick and I talked about, um, you know, sort of the broader implications of the writer's strike, I hadn't thought about that, that like there is this sense of a soft cannon operate, you know, sort of operation going on and that that could yeah. influence how things go. But I don't know, like I'm not trying to be like, let's be worried. Let's be scared. Let's be anxious. No, <laughs> no Ghostbusters. Sure. But yeah, as far as creatively, though, um, what was the question? <laughs> I guess the question was sort of like, what, what do we, like, I guess the other part of the question was kind of two parts. Like, do you think that the writer's strike has an influence on whether or not, you know, comics are going to change or we get to see more of them from Ghostbusters quicker? Um, but right. I guess the second part of it is like, what are you hoping for to come out of the next, you know, wave of Ghostbusters comic books? Like if you had to wish cast about the next Ghostbusters comic book run, what are some of your wishes that you want to talk about? Um, I want every Ghostbusters comic to feel essential and not in the sense of like, oh, you're not going to understand the next movie or the next TV show unless you've read the comics. But I want it to feel like it's smart storytelling. I want it to feel like we've found a way to tell an engaging and like. It feels like required reading, not because you need it to understand the larger story, but because it's so. Like, oh, oh, I got to check this out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I want it to feel like if you're not reading it, you're missing out, not because you will have a lack of understanding, but because it's storytelling is just as good as anything happening in the movies or cartoons or whatever else is going on. I want it to feel like the kind of thing that when you finish one issue, you're like, ah, I want the next one now. You know what I mean? I want it to feel like. I want it to be written in a way where it creates its own space to function and tell the story it's meant to tell. And it also is, I mean, kind of like I'm trying to think of a good example, like. And, and it all also depends on how the franchise evolves, you know, if, if within the next couple movies and, and projects that comes out, we've got multiple Ghostbusters teams and multiple, you know, things going on and all that kind of stuff. It might be really cool to suddenly have, you know, a Ghostbusters Los Angeles comic book series. Sure. And then you really can just own like this is its own thing and we are going to go nuts with it because we're not as focused like it. We don't have to pay strict attention to what's happening. Right. At headquarters in New York with the main characters. We can focus on establishing this corner. And it's almost like, you know, the Marvel Netflix stuff or like the Marvel TV shows where it's firmly like, yeah, this is happening in the same world, but we don't constantly need to be like, why hasn't Ray shown up yet or something? You know, it's kind I mean? of like in the way, almost um, in a way, it's like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, when that show was on the I, air, it I could would, exist alongside the cinematic yeah. films that were coming out and it could yeah. engage in synergy with them, but it also could do and its it, own and, thing. 
Yeah. And obviously, like along the way, some of that earlier stuff, like the Netflix things with Daredevil and Luke Cage and all that. And then Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it became kind of like, is this canon? Isn't it canon? And nobody wanted to be clear about it. Right. But especially since Disney has been doing the TV shows and the movies and everything else, there is a much greater sense of like, okay, this is Mm -hmm. all in the same world. And I would love for it to feel like that, where like you find a way to be like, you know, this is this is firmly in canon and it is 100 percent worth reading. It is super engaging. It's going to make you want to come back for every issue. It's going to move the world forward, even if it isn't directly like there are ways to tell stories with Ghostbusters because it is. And I, I, this is one of my favorite things that I ever heard Ivan say, and I want to say it was. It was in an interview he did, and I want to say it was like a bonus feature on one of the DVDs once upon a time for Ghostbusters one and two. But it, it was something along the lines of Ghostbusters is great because it can work as a concept with any four people. Mm-hmm. Like you put four people in gear, in suits, in a haunted situation, and you have Ghostbusters. And I've always thought it was cool because like that's the truth and you could and that's what makes it so like you could have Ghostbusters in different places, Ghostbusters with different crews, Ghostbusters with different flavors. You could have a much more comedic Ghostbusters, a much scarier Ghostbusters, a much more action packed Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters and you it can are. all still. <laughs> yeah. And you can. But like it will all still in theory fit in that world of Ghostbusters. Yeah. And so I, I want. I want that like I want I want smart storytelling that makes the most of the fact that you have this world that you can play in and you are going to explore it and live in it and soak it in and investigate things that haven't been, you know, played with before and play with things that have been introduced in new ways and give us characters that you're just going to be like, oh, I want to see what's next for them. I want to know what's around the corner for them. I want to see how they deal with this, how they wrap up this case, how they face this fear, how they whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've said like, I want that sense of adventure that just continuously draws you in. And obviously, yes, like you want it to be humorous and funny along the way, because that is a part of Ghostbusters. Right. But especially seeing how Afterlife found like an even like a a whole a familiar but a new balance for that like humor and horror and heart and adventure that makes Ghostbusters what it is like dig even deeper into that with the comics have issues that are just like like I've always thought it'd be cool to tell a story of a Ghostbuster who is facing something along the lines of like a boogeyman that just like knows his greatest fear and he gets stuck in a place where like he has to in order to literally like face this demon, he has to face his demons and yeah. like you can fit humorous moments in there along the way, but it really is just like it kind of kicks you in the gut and tugs at your heart along with like the stuff that makes you laugh and the stuff that makes you go like, oh, snap, that was so cool or, you know, whatever. I would like to see and this is going to maybe controversial for some people, but in some ways I would like to see um, a like series of one-off books that are not what ifs, but they're more like what happens. So it's like, okay, how did certain things get established in the Ghostbusters universe? And it's like, 
something that deep dives. Like, so I, I never want to see like Dan Aykroyd's like, let's do Ghostbusters in high school idea. Cause that's terrible. Um, <laughs> so I'll, sure. I'll be on the record of saying, I think that's a terrible idea. And honestly, and I don't ever want to see it. Honestly, but, it's really just going to end up being like at, at most. And like, I think the best version of it is really just going to end up being like stranger things, but in the sixties, you right. know, but like I, I would not be opposed though to like a series of comic book stories that were like ghost stories that like kind of like went yeah. and did like, let's do like Ray Stance's childhood encounter with a ghost that like gets him inspired yeah. to like, you know, be, so, gets, gets him inspired about faith and gets him inspired about like higher powers about, and spirituality yeah. and all the things that send him and off to a seminary at very, some point, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. Or like you see the first sparks of like him starting to wonder like, but could you fight a ghost or something like that? Right. Like I, I love, I've always, I love internal oh, world building. Like I love, yeah, I admit this. Like, I love it when like, like a lot of people, and I think I've said this on this podcast before, but like, I know people slag on star Trek enterprise as like a bad series and it's not mm. a great star Trek series to be fair, but season four is without question, like the best of it, because it's the season where they were like, let's do things like explain how it is that the Klingons in the original series didn't have ridges on their foreheads, but the Klingons in sure. the next generation do. And they like tell this whole yeah. story about like a genetic, um, you know, about the Klingons trying to get the genetic augment um, technology and use it to build better warriors. And it blows up in their face and becomes like a dark mark in their history and their culture that they never want to talk about. Right. And it's yeah. like I it think, stitches together I pieces of dialogue, you know? Yeah, I think there's there's definitely a balance. I think a good example of that is is Solo. I love the movie Solo. I don't need it to be perfect. To me, it's just a fun Star Wars adventure. And I can admit, like, I did not need to know that Han Solo was not Han Solo's real name. Like, mm -hmm. I didn't need to see how he got his name. But I think on paper, across the board, before that movie came out, most Star Wars fans were in agreement that it, it would be neat at some point to see young Han and young Lando do the Kessel Run. Right. Right. That's like a thing that you've sure. always wanted to see. So if you can find things like that in Ghostbusters and figure out a story worth telling that can explore that, then I, go for it. Like the I want <laughs> The one thing to me that I always go back to that I'm like this. I don't know how it hasn't been done yet. And I'm glad that it's kind of been played with and spirits unleashed. But especially now that we have an amazing actor attached to the character with Raul Coley, like do something with Tobin. Yeah. Show, do an animated series, do a prequel film, mm -hmm. do something. It's literally like, it would be so cool. That is the thing in Ghostbusters that is just like, at some point, it is absolutely worth it to go back and tell at least one Tobin story. And then think about how cool it would be to, after that, if there's ever a moment in a TV series or a movie going forward where someone's like, we need to check out Tobin's spirit guide because that holds the key to the mystery we're trying to solve now. It can be almost how like throughout Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and some of the other Marvel projects every once in a while, Peggy Carter and the Howling Commando show up. Right. Just for the sake of like establishing, <laughs> oh, this is something we dealt with in the past. Right. And it's just like to have them there and see it. You could easily have a moment in a future film where like, they're like, you know, we've got to check out Tobin's spirit guide. And then someone's like, well, what did you find? And it's like, you're never going to believe this. And then cue a flashback to the Victorian era with Rahul Kohli as right. Tobin doing something, you know? Yeah, no, that would be really cool. And you cool. kind of handle it. 
you kind of handle like James Gunn has been talking about doing in DC, where they will have animated projects that will have certain actors voicing the characters. And then down the line, if those characters show up in live action, it will be that same actor playing the character in live action. Do the same thing. Like, I, I think that would be really really cool i think it, yeah I, I agree and i didn't mean to like constrain our conversation to comics at the start of this being like well, what do you think about comics because no, like, no, i think you're, you're right about animated series too but like i think that but um, i think in in general when you're talking about especially like we were saying that it seems like there is a big like a concerted effort to make sure everything that comes out is very clearly like okay this is how it fits in canon whether it's like it's in canon, but the details kind of like Spirits Unleashed, like no one's going to go into Firehouse and be like, where's this one character that was in Spirits <laughs> Unleashed? It's just like as long as you have that general notion of right. like the Firehouse is back open, Ghostbusters is up and running. And there have been some other characters who, you know, some other people who have like come and gone and interned and worked here and moved on. Mm-hmm. And now we're jumping in with these characters. Good to go. Like, you don't right. have to worry too much about like, where's the canon? Right. But because it doesn't have to be that detailed to consider it like it's still in canon. Right. And I love the idea of like, if that's the the thing that's happening, like, OK, let's let's make the most of that, whether it's comics, cartoons, animated movie, TV series, movies, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. And I'm I'm I, I'm I mean, that I can speak. It's good. Um, I'm excited about <laughs> everything that's coming out, you know, and I think that um, the idea of that soft cannon is part of what makes it all very interesting. You know, it's, it's a situation yeah. where, but it, I think it does also complicate what's going to happen. You know, like we'll see what happens with the strike and yeah, for sure. you know, what happens with creative industries as a whole over the next few months, because it's not clear what's going to happen with the director's guild and yeah. the screen actors guild and everything else. So, um, but this is kind of why I was like, well, will that be a situation where if that continues to go south, will comics have a greater emphasis? But by the same token, I was thinking, like, if you're writing for DC, how are you not <laughs> like everything DC does is inevitably potentially a, f- a film project, right? How So it's like you can work on a book, but that doesn't mean it doesn't become a film later on. How do you delineate yeah. between the two and things other than the, contracts? Well, the so. the uh, the thing about comics is like oftentimes unless it is specifically like a like we'll go with Marvel sometimes they will do like a specific like oh this is a tie-in comic to the next Iron Man film and it's written by the people that did the movie right that is when it's like okay this like you know you're not going to see movie writers doing comic books kind of thing um but if you even when you have specific storylines like, you know, uh, Captain America Civil War was based on the the Civil War comic book, that comic book gets published regardless of if there's plans to turn it into a movie or not. Like right. comics are just going to comic. Sure. And that's its own corner of the entertainment industry. So it's not until after a comic comes out that then the studio you know, whether it's DC Studios or Marvel Studios, looks at the comics and says, ooh, what if we did a movie based on this? And another sad thing is that oftentimes when that happens, the creators of the comics are not getting as much credit and as as much anything as they should be getting for the fact that it's being turned into a film because they're comics people are work for hire. And on rare occasion, if you are just like a big name who's blowing up in the industry, you might have a big company come to you and say like, hey, we want to put you under contract because we have things that we want to make sure that your plate is clean 
and you are exclusive to us to work on it because we right. want to lock you down because you're a hot commodity. But outside of that, comics are a work for hire industry. You are hired to do this many issues of this thing and that's it. And once you do those issues, you've got to find your next gig. Right. Like it is on you. And if you're if you're rolling and you're a hot commodity, you know, you'll have editors come to you and be like, hey, we saw what you did here. We really want you to come work on this. And that's that is great. But for a lot of people, it really is just like bouncing from gig to gig to gig right. and hoping yeah. that you can string it all together. And so you're coming in and they're paying you to, you know, work on Spider-Man or Batman or Superman or Hawkeye or whatever. And it's like once your obligation to that gig is done for however many issues that you're doing, it's like, thank you for your service. Here's your money. Good luck in your future endeavors. So even though they might turn around and be like, hey, we're going to do a storyline based off of this run of issues or that or we're going to do a movie or a TV show based off this run of issues or this storyline in comics that you had a hand in. We don't technically at least the big controversy so far has been like we don't technically have to pay you anything right. because these characters are owned by Marvel. So mm -hmm. in theory, like you like. And it's it's not even this anymore because like Disney owns Marvel and is making Marvel movies. So there is no situation where it's like we're paying for the rights to make right. a Spider-Man movie right. or whatever. They're they get to do everything internally. And the most that you can hope for is like, oh, cool. My name was in the credits because I worked on the story that this right. movie specifically. Yeah, and there's no on. there's no concept of residuals <laughs> in, in yeah. comics. And yeah. the and the and I've heard like it. A lot of people have talked about how that is unfortunate because it absolutely is. And, and comic creators need to be credited for their contributions to right. the these huge blockbuster movies that are coming out now. But it's, you know, I've heard some people say something like, hey, if you're referencing a specific storyline or basing a movie or TV show off a specific storyline, maybe a solution would be like, figure out who all the creators are who are a part of it, or if they've passed away a family member of theirs, that you can then have them in a scene in the movie or the show. So then it's automatically like, hey, because you were in this, you're now going to get residuals for it. Right. And so it's like, that's our way of like putting you in there and making sure that you're credited and you're paid for the fact that your work has now right. become this other thing, which is cool. And I, like I said, I don't know the specifics of like, what would the rate need to be or how, right. you know, how that yeah, yeah. works. But I'm all for like, how do we figure out how to make sure that that continues to be like if you worked on something and now it's being adapted in some way, whether it's a novel, a comic, a video game, whatever, like you deserve to be. Appreciated yeah, right. appropriately. Yeah. Put it that way, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. Well, we've talked about a whole bunch um, this episode. We talked about all the Ghostbusters headlines that were fit to print. Um, we talked about Sigourney Weaver in the wrong order. We <laughs> we've talked about video games and merchandise and fan films. And of course, we talked about the idea that you have something in the works that people should keep an eye out for for Ghostbusters Day uh, because you've yes, got yes, a, yes. a reprint and an upgrade to a previously existing awesome book of art Ooh, a reprint i didn't say that jim you're just dropping spoilers left and right but he's i thought you did wrong. say it i thought you so, said upgrade uh, 
I did say upgrade, but you're making it sound like something's being printed. I don't know. It's, oh, right. well, I fine. You're um, handing out candy bars to people that are not printed. That's, that's what it. it is. That's it. They're they've, old. They're old candy it. bars. That, um, <laughs> <laughs> they're literally crunch bars from 1984. Yeah, no. Um, But you have a thing in the works for Ghostbusters Day. People should keep an eye on for sure. And for real. And if Definitely. folks are out at conventions uh, in Arizona and see you, they should totally come and say hi. Um, I think we covered they that should as well. because they so. might be able to grab one before Ghostbusters. Day yeah. if you're in the area and so. if not, you can just probably say hi to John and grab awesome prints from him and all kinds of great things because. Oh, yeah, I've know. got, you know, because I, you know, I do I do comics. I do things. And uh, yeah, I'll have prints from all, you know, Transformers, uh, Beast Wars, especially the Beast Wars movie or the Rise of the Beast movie looks so cool. I'm geeking out about that, seeing. Like those were my Transformers that like Optimus Primal and Cheetor and all that. Like I had all those toys. So to not only have been a fan of that, but to also like have worked on the book and now see them on the big screen is super cool. So if you're into that uh, or Godzilla uh, or um, what else have I done? Ninja Turtles. Um, if you're in any of those things, and then obviously Ghostbusters. And I've also got, you know, I did, I've got a little Superman print that I did because I love Superman. I've got a mobile suit Gundam print because I love Gundam. I'm working on a Chainsaw Man print right now because nice. I love that show. Like just I got a little bit of everything. So yeah. if you're if you're in the area and you want to come out to Phoenix Fan Fusion, it'll be a good time. And there's going to be a lot of really amazing creators of all sorts there from Marvel, DC, IDW, Image, cosplayers, novelists, actors. Jeremy Renner is going to be there. The Flash, uh, Green Arrow from those TV shows. <laughs> Jeremy Renner is going to be there? ML. Yeah, it's like this is a stacked event. And that also kudos on him for like indestructible. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. So like it's it's literally like a major like it's a big thing. Um, and like I said, I'm I'm honored to be uh, to have been invited to be a guest. Artist, I'm, I'm so. shocked that Jeremy Renner is doing conventions already. That's amazing. Um, yeah, well. He's making the rounds, man. I want to encourage people to visit your social media if they can't meet you in Phoenix at John Your K before uh, on Instagram yes. and Twitter and all of the places that people go to social media. Yeah. So basically everything. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all the stuff. I have a Twitch. I need to be doing more stuff on it, but I haven't yet. So Well, but I yeah, everywhere I, everywhere you can find me. I appreciate you coming on the show. I always enjoy talking with you. Um, and I always love that you come and help me break the format. So thank you for, <laughs> for coming and helping me break the format in half again. And I, I really do mean this. I always appreciate your insights and it's always a fun conversation. So you're always welcome to come back on extra plasm. You can, you know, we'll figure out your robe situation when we get there. Um, <laughs> well, it's, it's always a pleasure to be here, dude. I, I love talking with you and, uh, and getting nerdy and digging into Ghostbusters stuff. Likewise, you're awesome. Thanks for coming on the show. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Take it easy, dude. All right. Take care. That about wraps things up for Extra Plasm this week. If you uh, have anything you want to share with the podcast in the future, you can, of course, reach me at extraplasm at Instagram or Twitter or at extraplasmpodcast at gmail.com. If you like what you hear on the show, you can always leave a positive review uh, for the show on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever we're calling it now or Spotify, wherever you find the podcast. Thank you, as always, to Baducci Studios for our logo, to Vaporwave musician Magnavox for our theme music, and to you for being an awesome listener who tunes in and supports the show. Thanks again for tuning in. And as always, as Ernie Hudson would say, try to have fun and always keep on busting. Take care. <laughs>